Okay, that's got us happening there. Um, yeah, really, really strange times. We have been currently doing a another uh, series of sermons called um, uh, Defeater Beliefs, but uh, given the nature of where we're up to now and what's happening, I just felt it would be really pertinent to do uh, something that would uh, carry us with today, uh, given we're facing a lot of anxiety, a lot of panic and a lot of fear. And uh, I believe the Lord led me, led me to a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 6. So we're going to look at that today as we think about this idea here of uh, the coronavirus and how it's affecting us. Here's a few questions, though, to think us or help us get, sorry, in the zone or, or get our focus uh, dialed in as we think about what Jesus is going to talk to us here in Matthew chapter 6. What do you treasure in life? What do you hold in high value? Uh, what is it that is near and dear to you that brings delight and comfort. Maybe it's your home, or maybe it's your family that you treasure. That's not a bad thing to treasure. That's a good thing. I've got a family, I've got a home, and I love my family, and I love my home. But, but, will a home or my family always be there for you? Will it? Will you always be able to trust in them, your family or your home, no matter what takes place? I'm not sure. I'm not sure we always can. But here, Jesus is going to take us to a treasure that we can always trust and will never let us down. If you've got your Bibles, uh, can you please go with me now to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read from verses uh, 19 through to 34. Matthew chapter 6. (coughs) Pardon me. Uh, in the New Testament, for those, and today, hey guys, we are really going to ask you to keep your Bibles open. Uh, we haven't got the help of what we would normally have over my left shoulder, which is a uh, overhead screen with the Bible passages coming up, so please keep your Bibles open up as uh, we go through today's talk. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to read from verse 19 through to 34. Read with me, please. Uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness... How great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay, please join in with me now as we just pray. Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise now that we can open up your precious, living and eternal word. Lord, what a glorious thing it is. You've given us, Lord, your living word. You've given us the very truths of Scripture, your word to us. We ask and pray now that, Holy Spirit, you would come and open up our heart and our mind and our eyes, uh, Lord, to see what it is to trust in you and not be anxious. We ask for your help now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in unusual times. That's probably a bit of an understatement uh, for the current time. But they're not unique times. They really aren't unique times. Uh, The world has experienced health crises like this before. I was doing a bit of history just the other day, just checking up on a few things. We had the Black Death Plague uh, over many, many years in the 1500s, which nearly took out a third or to a quarter to a third of the world's population. Uh, we've had cholera outbreaks over many times during the centuries as well, one about 150 years ago uh, in England. Uh, we've also had the other viruses like the Spanish flu, or maybe about 100 years or so back, uh, the SARS virus, the uh, Asian bird flu, and the swine flu, to name just a few. So this is not unique, not unique to the world. It's not new to us. But, It feels different this time because we sort of think of ourselves as a sophisticated society, like a society, this just shouldn't happen to us. Well, if it does, we've got such a sophisticated health network that we can just overcome these things like straight away. We go to the chemist, get the pill, take it, and it's all gone. Not quite this time, is it? As we've seen, the coronavirus is producing all sorts of fear and panic and anxiety right through our community. Now, as we just read about Jesus there, this is no different from his time. In Jesus' time, they were suffering from the same things, not necessarily the coronavirus, but things that would give them fear or panic and anxiety as well. And here we have Jesus in this passage of Scripture we just read, which is from the Sermon on the Mount, a very famous passage of Scripture, probably the longest quotation of Jesus in the Gospels that we have. And really what the Sermon on the Mount is all about is what does life look like in God's kingdom. How do we live life in submission before God in his kingdom? And what are the results of living in his kingdom by trusting in him? It's a glorious passage here. It's a glorious sermon that Jesus gives us. So here's where we want to go today as we think about these things. We want to deal with three points. What do we treasure? Testing our treasure and then trusting in our treasure as well. And I'm convinced that out of this gospel truth today, that as we listen to God, he will sustain us to thrive, not only survive, but also thrive through the challenge and the hardship of facing the coronavirus, which we are facing today. Firstly, though, what do we treasure? What do we treasure? Uh, You might think, why did I read from verses 9 into 24 in this passage that I had? Was that sort of connected at all to what we're talking about. I thought verses 9 into 24 and 25 to 34 are like independent passages. Like, isn't one about money and the other about trust? How are they linked? Look in verse 25 there, and the first word you see there is the word, therefore. Therefore. This means that what Jesus says in verses 25 and 34 is vitally linked 
to what he says in verses 19 and 24, to 19 and 24 prior to that. He's saying, because of all that I've said in 19 to 24, therefore, because of that, this is what you can do now in verses 25 to 34. They're vitally linked. Jesus is asking us a question here in verses 19 to 24. He's asking us, what is your treasure? In verse 19, he says, don't lay up treasures on earth. And in verse 20, he says, lay up treasures in heaven. And you'll think, look at it there in verse 21. He summarizes... Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what you're treasuring, your heart will be intrinsically connected to it and attached to it. And verse 24, he summarizes again by saying, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve either God or money. You can't do two at the one time. Here's what Jesus is saying. What you treasure will be what you build your life around and ultimately what you will trust in. There's two choices here that Jesus is giving us. Will we treasure God or will we treasure money? Now let me explain here by what Jesus means when he says money. Jesus just doesn't mean treasuring money. means I just want to see my bank balance climbing higher and higher and higher like 5,000, 10,000, yes, 15,000, yo, 25,000, hey. Jesus is not saying that. What does money do for us? Money allows us to buy and accumulate stuff, doesn't it? It allows us to surround ourselves with stuff that makes me comfortable, doesn't it? Much of my life then becomes built around what I can accumulate or purchase with my money. And this becomes my source of comfort and my source of security. I get things to make my life more secure and more comfortable. And quite probably here in verse 25, Jesus shows us what we're doing with our money. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. This is Remember, this passage is connected to the previous passage. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Jesus is saying here it's about eating, drinking and clothing. Now, it's totally okay for us to spend money on these things. We do need to eat and we do need to drink and we need to be clothed. If we don't eat, we'll die. If we don't drink, we'll die. If we're not putting clothes on, we're going to freeze in winter and we're going to fry in summer and we're probably going to die of panic as we try and avoid everybody around as well. These are necessities for our life and we need them for our existence. But... If you think about this for just a moment, particularly in our Western world, how overboard we go in the cravings for the very best things in these things we're talking about here and now. We don't want just some food. We want the very best food sometimes. And we don't want just some drink. Some people say, I just want the finest wines. I want the best that money can buy. And when it comes to clothes, we're not just happy with some clothes, particularly in a Western world. We want the latest clothes. We want all, we're not happy with five pairs of shoes or 10 pairs of shoes. We want 25 pairs of shoes. And we want the latest fashion designer labels as well. We want these things. Now, that is, if I get those things, if I accumulate those things, I feel my life is complete. Or if I haven't got those things, I feel my life is incomplete, that I'm living a substandard life and I start to feel empty to some degree. So this is what Jesus is saying here with this question. What are we treasuring? What are we treasuring? Is it money and what it can buy? Am I building my life around that? Or will I treasure heaven by laying things up in heaven, which is the same as treasuring God? Will God the creator and the life giver 
Will he be my treasure? This is what Jesus asks. So this is a very good question why Jesus is asking this, because he also realises in this life where we live, our treasure will be tested. What we treasure will be tested. What we put our hope in, what we put our security in, what we put our confidence in, and what we put our trust in will surely be tested by life. And that's precisely what we're going through right now with this coronavirus. The things that we build our life around are being shaken. The things that we take for granted and placing our hope in are being tested severely. You're all like me, you've seen lots of things on the media of late. Supermarket shelves are empty. I've just never experienced this before. I've never seen this before. Uh, Businesses are shutting down left, right and centre. Qantas the other day laid off 20,000 people of their 30,000 people staff. That's mind-boggling. The borders of countries are shut down to all foreigners. Last night, I think at 9 o'clock, Friday night, 9 o'clock, they shut down all the borders so that no foreigners can arrive back in Australia. World financial markets are crushing at amazingly records amazingly fast and setting records for crashing, not growing. People's long-planned holidays are falling apart. People are stuck on boats with no ports except in them, just travelling around the oceans. All sorts of things are being tested here. What we have is a major testing of what we've been building our lives around. It's a massive challenge to our confidence of the things that we are building our life in. So the question is, from all that, How are we responding in these circumstances? How are we responding to this test of what we're treasuring? Again, we've all seen it on social media and on news service outlets, which I think is some of the most astounding footage I've ever seen. People are wrestling and fighting over toilet paper in the supermarket aisles. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? People are panic buying and hoarding up all types of foodstuffs. I've heard of reports of some people have a whole garage full of toilet paper. It's like hoarding and panic buying. Uh, Queues are 100 metres long before Costco's opens. People are lined up with their trolleys to fill it up with food and all sorts of goods. People are actually hiring buses and travelling to other towns to clean out supermarket shelves. People are travelling 100 to 200 kilometres away from where they live to go there and to fill up their, their shopping trolleys and then put it back on the bus and take it back to where they are. This is amazing. It's staggering when you think about it. What is all this when we see that type of response and reaction taking place? What is all this? It's fear. It's panic. And it's anxiety. I'm not going to miss out. I need to have this stuff to survive. You can just nearly see the anxiety welling up inside these people. It's amazing. But you see, this goes deeper. It goes deeper. You see, this testing time of the coronavirus is revealing what people are really treasuring and trusting in in their lives. Comfort, ease, pleasure, success and prosperity have become like God's in our lives. These are the things that we are living for and they begin to rule us deeply held within our hearts. These become like idols or become like gods and we feel like we've got to serve these things because we must have comfort at all costs. I'm not comfortable or I don't have pleasure or when my success fails, it's like my gods, these things that I'm living for begin to crumble. 
It feels like my life is falling apart when these things aren't being met and I'm not actually getting the comfort I think I deserve or I think I need. And what does this lead to? This leads to fear. This leads to panic. And this leads to anxiety. Look at what Jesus says here again at the end of verse 25. He is right under it. So again, keep your Bibles open here, guys. Uh, He says there at the end of verse 25, he says this, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What's Jesus saying here when he says that? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's saying this. He's saying you're getting wrapped up in, in building your life on around all these things that can't ultimately sustain you. These are necessary things, don't get me wrong, but they aren't the big picture of life and what will ultimately sustain us. That's not what they are. They're necessary, but they're not the big picture of life. Life is way bigger than food and drink and clothing. You see, if you build your life here on what will I eat and what will I drink and what will I wear, this one day will fail, like it potentially is to some extent now. And where does that leave us? You see, the coronavirus will come and test our treasure. And as it fails, we'll become very anxious, very anxious as we see that happening, because we've trusted in the wrong treasure. Trusting in the treasure. Here's where Jesus now begins to, as it were, draw this connection between verses 19 and 24 to verses 25 and 34. Uh, He says there, if you're trusting in the right treasure, if you've made the right choice and you're trusting in the right treasure, which is God, he's saying you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to succumb to anxiety and all that that brings with it. Jesus actually says it three times. Just quickly scan with me in these verses. Verse 25, he says, do not be anxious. Verse 31, he says, do not be anxious. Again, in verse 34, he says, do not be anxious. Jesus is very clear here about what he's saying. You don't have to be anxious. When the coronavirus is raging, when it's actually infecting people left, right and center and numbers are rising, Jesus is saying, don't fear. Don't panic. You don't have to be anxious. Very confident the way Jesus talks about that, isn't it? What is Jesus' confidence here as he talks about not being anxious in the face of the things of this world? Well, he shows us here again in verses 26 and 30, so keep your Bibles open there as we look at that. And what Jesus uses here in these verses is an example of going from something that's small to something that's large. He goes from the lesser, as it were, to the greater, something small to something large. What does Jesus say there in this verse? He says this, look at the small birds. Look at the birds. Look at the birds that are nesting in the trees. Look at the birds that are sitting on the ground. Look at the birds that are flying through the air. Jesus says, consider the birds. And if I paraphrase today, Jesus would say, do you see them lining up at coals and fighting over the toilet paper? Do you see the birds filling up their trolleys full of bird seed at Aldi and bringing it outside? I don't see that. When I park at the back of Woolies here in Marupna, this is what I see. I see the birds happily, very happily sitting up in the trees, singing their song and doing their thing. You don't see the birds doing that, do you? Birds aren't out there, as it were, in the paddocks, sowing seed so they can produce a crop so they have more seed. You don't see birds doing that, do we? 
What do they do? Birds just live. They're not anxious. They're carefree. As happy as a bird and just as free, we sing. Why? Because God, as their sovereign life giver, simply provides for them. Simply provides for them. And what does Jesus say? He says this, and he says, aren't you, he's talking about you and I, aren't you of much greater value than the birds? Can you see what Jesus is saying there? From something small to something greater, he says, I'm looking after the birds, I'll look after you, because I place higher value upon you than what I do on the birds. Then Jesus gives another example, he says this, He says, consider the tiny flowers of the field or the lilies of the meadow. Jesus says, look at how they grow. They don't sweat and they don't strain and they don't strive against each other. They're not working against each other out there. They're not out there having a flower parade amongst themselves deciding who is the best looking flower. Uh, At my office window, I have about maybe 20 or 30 yellow wildflowers that are just bursting out of the ground after the recent rain we've had here. They look magnificent. They are spectacular as I see these yellow flowers come bursting out of the ground. It's a glorious picture to see. So Jesus says, consider the flowers. He says, not even Solomon, the fashion guru of the Middle East of his day, with a wardrobe larger than New York and Paris put together. He says, not even Solomon can be as dressed as gloriously as these flowers. He is nothing in comparison to the diversity and the beauty of these flowers. Talking about clothes here. And and Jesus goes on to say this, And if God, who creates these flowers to bloom in their magnificence for just a day, and then let them wither away to nothing the next, which is what happens sometimes with these flowers. They come up for a day, and then they're gone the next. He said, Jesus says that if God does that, does he not value so much more that he will clothe you as well? You have more value than these beautiful flowers that he's created. But God values us way much more than those flowers, and he will clothe us. He will clothe us. You see, what is, we have to ask ourselves, what is Jesus trying to do here as he gives us these examples of going from something small to something large? I think Jesus is doing this. He's trying to get our focus on what is eternal and what is immovable other than what is temporal. He's trying to lift our eyes, as it were, off the temporal and thinking my life is all wrapped up in the here and now and we're sort of bogged down thinking about this. And he's trying to shift my vision to lift it up to see a sovereign God who controls all these things and sustains all these things. He's trying to change our vision. He's shifting my vision here to the Lord of the wind and the waves, the one who controls the very elements of life. He's shifting my vision from the small to the large, to the God who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who sends him into this world to die on a cross, to take our place and to save us and rescue us from this broken and painful world that we're in. He's shifting our vision from being caught up in the here and now and seeing a bigger picture, a bigger vision. And you see, when we get that perspective, when we get that perspective, It changes the whole situation. 
doesn't necessarily change the coronavirus, but it changes the way I think about this virus and changes the way I think about the whole situation. That's what it does. With the coronavirus, as we currently think about that, with this perspective of a sovereign Lord who rules over everything, I have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. I have nothing to panic about. I have nothing to be anxious over. (coughs) God, as sovereign, absolutely determines how far this virus travels and who contracts it. God determines how long this virus plagues the earth for and how far it goes. God rules over the coronavirus. Now, none of this means that you or I are immune to catching the virus. We're not talking about, there's no promises here of that protection in what Jesus is talking about. And there are no guarantees here that you or I won't be infected by this virus, the coronavirus. And even this, if I should get the virus, and even if I were to be killed by the virus, this doesn't mean that God has lost, or this doesn't mean that God is not in control. It doesn't mean that. So when we say God's sovereign, that doesn't mean automatically that I'm protected from everything and I'm going to have a bed of roses life where nothing will go wrong with me. We're not talking about that. We're just saying God is in control. And if, and if he should allow me to contract the virus, and if he should allow me to die because of the virus, it just means this, that God has determined to bring you or me into glory, to be with him eternally through dying in this virus. That's still a very comforting thought. God is in control. You see, when we have that mindset, when we're able to think about what Jesus is talking about and to take us into that next level of thinking, as it were, of complete and total trust in a sovereign God, we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Romans 8, Paul says this, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing includes coronavirus. God loves us and that will not separate us. The coronavirus will not separate us from his love. We don't have to fear anything there. Here's a couple of thoughts as we think about, well, why is this virus here? Okay, and not being anxious about it, but thinking what's happening with this, God is sovereign. Here's a couple of thoughts that I've been reflecting on through the week, and I've read a little bit of stuff on it, and I think they're pretty close uh, to the money, actually. I've read some articles this week which have referred to this virus now spreading around the world really as a bit of a smackdown, as it were, to the false gods of this world. It's a declaration of the sovereign Lord who rules and reigns in everything. What's God doing? Potentially, he's exposing these false gods of comfort and health and wealth and prosperity as powerless as unable to fulfill. A virus comes along, as it were, and actually shows the the fragile nature of this world, that these false gods of uh, wealth and health and prosperity promise us life and they promise us prosperity. But what happens when this virus comes along? These gods are shown to be hollow and empty. They can't deliver because they're powerless. They can't deliver us when the going gets tough. It's a real picture here like of a smackdown that God is doing here, like a picture of God's judgment upon this world. 
and he's exposing these gods for what they are. They're nothing. They're nothing. God is sovereign. He is in control and he rules. I believe the coronavirus also is this. I believe it's an act of God's mercy to this world as well. Now you might think, well, Todd, how do you say it's an act of God's mercy to this world? I believe that God is using this virus, this coronavirus, as it were, to awaken us out of our slumber of leisure and pleasure, particularly so in our Western world and probably increasing it to other uh, cultures around the world as well. Uh, We are a world, particularly the Western culture, that is absolutely drowning in entertainment and fantasy. And this entertainment and fantasy is blinding us to the reality of who God is. It really is. We are so, as it were, just swimming in entertainment and swimming in fantasy that it's just blinding for us that we don't see who God is. Even uh, during this crisis, we're seeing how people are uh, occupying their time or, or filling themselves up with, with things to do. And it's, it really what they're doing is they're, they're medicating themselves here with Netflix and Amazon Prime. I saw something the other day say, hey, here's enough viewing on Netflix to go for 10 years. And people are doing that. They're queuing up now all the movies they're going to watch while they're in self-isolation. It's amazing. And I saw also in, uh, in America just the other day in the USA, um, people are lining up uh, at these stores where they can freely sell cannabis. Uh, people are thinking, what? I'm going to be so bored. I don't know what I'll do. I'll get into the local store and I'll buy some cannabis and I'll smoke my time away. I'll just sort of trip out for a while on cannabis. People don't know what to do. And they're filling themselves with all matter of things, as it were, to try and, as it were, uh, numb themselves from the potential here of the coronavirus. What's God doing? I believe he's mercifully, mercifully acting, acting through this virus, as it were, to pull out the pitiful crutches that we are propping ourselves up with here through leisure and pleasure that we've built for ourselves. And he's allowing us, as he pulls these crutches out, mercifully pulls these crutches out, he's allowing us, as it were, to fall over, to collapse. And what happens when you fall over and collapse? You look up, don't you? And this is exactly what I believe God is doing, that as we fall over, mercifully, because he's pulling these crutches out, we will look up and say, what is going on? God, where are you? I believe it's an act of mercy that God is doing here by allowing us to just see how fragile this world is, and he's doing it through the coronavirus. This is where Jesus is going. This is where Jesus is going. When we treasure and trust in him, we are filled with hope and confidence no matter what we are facing. No matter what we are facing. So as we think about that, Jesus has put the test there of what are you treasuring? Now, as it were, what are you trusting in? And how that looks like when you trust in that? Jesus will ask us the question, so what do I do in the meantime? So what does it mean, Jesus, now to treasure and trust in you? How does that look? How does it look today in 2020 on March the 22nd as we face this coronavirus? What does it mean? What does it look like? Uh, Look with me again down there in verse 33, and Jesus tells us what to do in the face of building this treasure as it were and trusting in this treasure. Verse 33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you read that as a complete reading and come to this verse, it just stands out. From all this, but 
Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, this anxiousness or this anxiety we've been talking about, the opposite of being anxious or the opposite of anxiety is to trust. And this is what Jesus is saying. He wants us to trust. And here he shows us how to trust and what to do to build that trust. He says there first, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. What's Jesus say when he says that? I believe he's saying this. Let your life be saturated in the gospel of his kingdom. Let your life, as it were, be overflowing in the truth of the gospel. Fill your heart and fill your mind with the life-transforming, the mind-transforming truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Because as we saturate ourselves with the truth of who Christ is, it changes the way we think and the way we approach things. He's saying this, Let everything you say, let everything you think and do, as it were, be perfumed with the aroma of Christ. Let everything we are involved in, let Jesus come, as it were, and be that aroma that carries us wherever we are in the beauty of who Jesus is. Let's make it our aim to love God supremely. Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God. And just watch what happens here when you do this. Watch what happens in your own mind, in your own heart, and your own life as you seek God first and build your life in Him. Here's what will happen. You will be filled up with the overflowing peace of God. You will be. You'll be utterly filled up with the overflowing peace of God. Believe me, as we fill up on Jesus, the Holy Spirit will well up in us a joy during the hard times of the coronavirus. And this will defy understanding. It surely will. People will not be able to understand. How can you be so hopeful and so confident? Filling up on Christ grows our trust in what we are treasuring. Secondly, Jesus says to seek God's righteousness. This means to continually, as it were, live out the gospel practically. Seek the right living of God. Live it out practically. And for the context of the coronavirus today, why don't we do this or think about this? Let's show gospel-focused, generous, courageous love to reach out to those who are around about us in our neighbourhood and in our street. Why not? Why not let a box your street this week and ask if anybody needs a hand? If you're fit and healthy and well and somebody's self-isolating, maybe four or five doors down from your place, why not let a box your street and show gospel love to say, oh, we would love to serve you this week. We a story uh, just the, this morning, actually, about Martin Luther during the bubonic plague or the Black Death of the 1500s. And people were fleeing out of Wittenberg where he was staying. And he said, no, I'm staying here in courageous gospel love to serve those who were dying around about him. I think that's a tremendous act of seeking the righteousness of God by living that out. And I'm trusting and praying there'll be many opportunities where we can show God's love to each other and to our neighbours. And who knows where that might lead to as a gospel opportunity to proclaim the wonders and the glories of Christ who saved us not only from the coronavirus, but also from sin so we could be eternally united with him. And what does Jesus say if we seek first his kingdom and seek his, first his righteousness? He says this in verse 33 with a promise to us as we treasure and trust in him. 
He will add all these things unto us. God knows what we need. And as a loving Heavenly Father, He will supply all that we require. All that we require. He doesn't leave us empty-handed. He won't leave us empty-handed. Nobody will starve to death here in our area because of the lack of food. God will graciously provide all that we need through the natural means we have in place in our community now. If people just calm down, there's enough food to go around three times over in Australia. We don't need to haul. We just need to trust in God and He will meet our needs. He will meet our needs. No question about that. So sure, the coronavirus presents us with a significant test, a real test, what we trust in. What we trust in will be put under pressure. If it's God that we trust in, it can't fail. It won't fail. God cannot fail. He sovereignly rules and reigns. It's still a test, though, from God. And these tests are designed to deepen and strengthen our faith in a never-failing God. Here's what the coronavirus will do as we treasure and trust in Jesus. Jesus will become sweeter and sweeter in our lives. He will. His presence will become more and more hope-filled in our lives. And our love will grow with more intensity before him. It really will. This test will be a good thing for us. It will sweeten us. It will deepen us as we grow in who God is. It's a good thing. So the question today is this. So what are you treasuring? What are you trusting in today? What are you treasuring? And what are you trusting in today? Because this coronavirus will be a test of that. If we are being swamped by fear and anxiety and panic, here's Jesus called you right now. Trust in him. Trust in Christ. Walk that out by faith and experience the peace that the gospel gives to us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and just thank you again for the glorious good news of the gospel. Father, we come before you today again to thank you that you meet all of our needs. Not one thing is left undone by you. We come before you today as a sovereign, glorious God who knows what we are facing, who knows what we are going through. But we come before you as a God who meets our needs and a God who can be trusted. So Lord, today I pray for those who are struggling with fear, struggling with panic, struggling with anxiety. God, I pray, lift their vision. Lift their eyes, I pray. Lift their hearts to see a glorious God, a heavenly Father who meets all of our needs in Christ Jesus. Lord, today we ask this and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Thanks, guys. Uh, You can now move into a time of prayer. If anybody would love to contact me with some questions or thoughts about today's talk, uh, please email me at todd at exchangechurch.org.au and I would love to connect with you there. Thank you.